0: Welcome to another heart-stopping, soul-shaking edition of the Money Mitch Effect. This is the Sports Podcast, and I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Delighted to have you listening today. It's going to be a fun one. I got two of my good friends from the NFL landscape on as guests, Matt Wittenberg and Joe Cusali. Matt Wittenberg's up first. We're going to recap the 2017 college basketball title game, North Carolina taking down Gonzaga. Winning another championship, they denying Gonzaga their first. We'll talk about Tony Romo leaving the NFL for broadcasting, the start of the baseball season, and a couple other interesting notes as well. And then Joe Trusselli is going to come on the show to talk NHL action. We're going to first get into how the NHL is not allowing players to go to the Olympics next year in South Korea, which really upsets us both. Some NHL storylines, some potential playoff matchups, and who is the MVP. We keep circling back to this. It's a good discussion. You're not going to want to miss Money Mitch Effect starts now all right it's the money mitch effect it's time to talk about sports a lot of sports in general i needed a utility player so i got matt wittenberg on to talk about a lot of different topics <laughs> and not somebody that's just pigeonholed into one so matt thanks for joining the show
1: yeah regular uh kike hernandez if you will out there I would say
0: that's a good that's a good reference, you know. Espinoza is my guy in the Indians. Somebody that you. can play all through the infield, you know. Maybe pitch if need be.
1: Hey, you need those guys.
0: It's a, it's a long season. We're going to, you know what? Tony Romo is not going to hijack our show. We're going to save him for a little <laughs> later. He did that enough today. We're going to start with college basketball. And the final four was interesting like we thought it would be. North Carolina wins the title Over Gonzaga, Matt, but we started talking about it going into the Final Four that we weren't really sure what type of action the games would have. You play in a football stadium, Glendale, Arizona, Mm -hmm. home of the Cardinals, and you weren't sure what the quality of play would be. A lot of first-timers there. What did you think from just a fan standpoint? Were you satisfied with the level of play? Did it leave you wanting more? How would you assess just the overarching uh, atmosphere and and quality of play of the Final Four?
1: I'd say the Final Four as a whole was an overall success. The two semifinals games were both competitive and interesting down to the end. Not necessarily the best offensive outputs, but that's kind of to be expected in uh, the big football stadiums where they hold the Final Fours now. The sight lines are off, and I remember uh, the one that I kept seeing referenced after this final today, or yesterday, was uh, the Butler-UConn game, which was just an awful shooting (laughs) The worst game
0: we've ever seen, probably. Exactly,
1: and uh, the one last night was not quite that bad, but offensively challenged, foul challenged, but overall, with uh, the weight of the event on it, I'd say that was a success. Obviously, you won a little bit more out of that championship game, but you're not going to get a buzzer beater, Villanova-style, every Mm -hmm. year for the final, but... Overall, I can't complain. I, it was cool seeing it in Phoenix. The Final Four hadn't been out west, and I'm not sure how many years, but it's cool to see it back in a Western state and having a Western-based team in the final. But overall, yeah, good tournament. Could have been better at the end, but solid B minus.
0: Yeah, I, I thought the Final Four games were interesting because of all the predict- predictable things. I thought. Gonzaga South Carolina just had the makings of a close game down the stretch, regardless of who was up. I know Gonzaga was winning mm-hmm. big, but you knew that South Carolina had a run in them. The way they played defense, they they stuck around, and Gonzaga just made the plays and a real smart decision to foul when they did it to oh, preserve exactly. that lead. Oregon North Carolina was a fascinating game because the first half, and really North Carolina winning the title, but the first half of both their games they played pretty bad. Mm-hmm. To be able to stick around, I guess highlights how underrated their defense has been all year. And then the final five minutes. I mean, I I saw, I'll put it like this. I watched that game at a bar that is predominantly an Oregon bar. And we thought going into it that the best case scenario would be a buzzer beater one way or the other. Mm -hmm. This is a pretty close second, how that game ended. Yeah, With four missed free throws in a row and then two offensive rebounds. No. I mean, you you got to think what the box out drills going to be big up in Eugene next yeah, year. Yeah,
1: you know what uh, Dana Altman's going to be hammering home this off season. That, geez, that's a that was an, an inexcusable, <laughs> to say the least. Right, like other than losing that way, that, other than losing in a buzzer beater, that's probably just as bad. Not not just once, but twice, too. It was just and then Dylan Brooks fouled out and he didn't have his best game, so they they were uh shorthanded, of course, not having Boucher in the tournament, but Really good performance by the Ducks, but I mean, what could have been if they snag one of those rebounds? Who knows? So North Carolina
0: makes the finals and they played Gonzaga, and all year you know, we had questions about Gonzaga, how legitimate they were. I know they're not going to want to hear it, and there's no such thing as moral victories at that level, but I think they at least proved that they were there, that they belonged, that they... We could throw around cliches, but they weren't a fluke or a flash of the pan team. They gave North Carolina every bit that they could handle. A couple plays here or there, I mean, that's just part of the sport. That's part of the game. But I thought Gonzaga had a lot to be proud of in terms of a legitimacy standpoint.
1: No, I totally agree. They'd never made the Final Four. That was always the knock. They'd have these great regular seasons and lose one or two games during the regular season. And come out flat in the tournament, which is one of the reasons why I didn't pick them to go particularly far in this tournament. But yeah, they really showed up and they were leading most of the game up until I think five minutes left in the second half. Mm-hmm. And then their guys their big start getting well, I mean, let's be honest, everyone started getting into foul trouble in this <laughs> game with what forty-four fouls called in total. But. Yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah, two less than the total number of made shots in that game. Oh, it insane. was you know, and I think to your point, like I didn't know many people that picked Gonzaga and same with like Villanova last year. I know Gonzaga didn't win and Villanova did, but until you make that deep run to a Final Four Two title game, the viewing public isn't gonna say the betting public isn't gonna pick them until we've seen it happen no, before. Very true. And I and I thought that game was as you said, the title game was pretty sloppy. The officials had a part in it, but let's call it for what it is too. The shooting was off, it was there was a lot of turnovers in this game. Two straight games where North Carolina comes out awful, and they were shooting, I think, like seven of twenty-seven mm-hmm. in the first half with a couple minutes to go. They had, um, you know, they were one of the worst. I, I don't know off the top of my head what the worst shooting three-point team in the single game to win a title is, but I got to think North oh, Carolina's up there. Close. You know, with how bad they shot, but they found a way to stay in the game. And to me, it came down to rebounding. It's the North Carolina hallmark, especially on that offensive glass. Yep, that's. It's why they're a safe bet, because if you can rebound, you're always going to have a chance, even when you're shooting poor. And I thought that was ultimately the difference.
1: Yeah, offensive rebounding. That and missed free throws are like the two kind of underlying keys that decide turning in games. And, yeah, it's a, like you said, it's a Roy Williams hallmark. Uh, Gonzaga, like their entire game plan changed when Collins fouled out right there in the end with, I think, about two minutes to go. And he was great on the glass all game, too. And then they were just a little too dependent on Karnowski who wasn't as good on the offensive no. end of this game either. And in the end, yeah, just too much athleticism to overcome. They're Carolina players. They're blue-chip guys. Roy Williams has done it before. But, yeah, Mark Few and the Zags, not too much to hang their head on.
0: No. 14.8%. That's what North Carolina shot for the line. That's ridiculous. 4 for 27. And Barry put together two of the worst shooting performances of a national <laughs> championship winning point guard. But no, that's true. Hung his head uh, at the end. He was able to stand tall and make those plays and you do wonder though when you get into these situations how officiating is gonna play a factor into it. I mean we saw I think eleven fouls in the first like six minutes of the half in Mm -hmm. the second. I mean it was getting out of hand. We we gotta call it for what it is. And I'm not I'm not gonna criticize the refs a lot to the point where they I think decide outcomes. My critique is how you're calling a game consistently and I think they waited too long to try to get control of this game. It was a little physical early Rather than set the tone then or just let everything go, right. they waited until the second half and just called a, a completely different game, and I do think it affected some of how the game was played going down the stretch.
1: And These are two really big physical teams, too. That, a lot of both of these teams' offense is predicated on those in-the-paint points and with getting the ball to their big guys, yeah, and then if anything that's contact down by the rim was getting called, then you knew it was going to have an impact. It, it's disappointing for sure. I, I don't know how much of an impact... It had on North Carolina winning. I'm sure it had some role, but I won't go so far as to say it was the deciding factor. But definitely disappointing, especially on the game's biggest stage. Justin Jackson only shot 6-19. I mean, there was not really that star player
0: that, yeah, the that dunk, swore bro. the game. But he didn't. That, that shows you how fast it goes. Gonzaga was winning for most of the game. They fall down early. They're only down 3 with like 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Turnover, dunk, turnover, and it's just... That that's how fast it goes. Of course, it's,
1: the uh, missed phantom uh, baseline where uh, Kennedy Meeks his hand on the baseline when they the jump ball. Tough one to miss there. It wasn't reviewable. That yeah. that part was
0: true. So Gonzaga kind of got screwed on that one. But at the end of the day, you look at Roy Williams now, three titles. I mean, he's into that next stratosphere. It's not you know, it's not Coach K level. No. But that middle ground. I mean, you look at all the coaches that only have one or, or zero. I mean, Beheim only has one. Kelpari's only got one. I yeah, mean, Lute Olsen. Olson, yeah. Al-
1: Izzo, all these guys who are mentioned at the top of the coaching he's got, coaching He's area. got
0: to be in that next tier, you know, for what he's done now at two programs. I know he's got all his titles mm-hmm. at North Carolina, but three completely different teams the years that he's won too.
1: Yeah, more than uh, Dean now. I think Dean only had two at uh, North Carolina. So yeah, he's. I think that like, right. Wow. Like yeah, you he said he's, he's a little under the radar as far, radar as far as the top-of-the-line guys that we think about. And, I mean, it's North Carolina. The place recruits itself. But you can't deny the coaching job that he does year in, year out. Obviously, losing that heartbreaker last year and getting his team... Back up off the mat and right yeah, back in well. it. Another redemption tour. How
0: many have we seen in the last like five years where a team loses in the fi- in finals of their respective sport and keeps yeah, it going, right? I mean, it's just it keeps, it's keep the narrative going. It's uh, it really is uh, insane. So I don't know. Maybe the San Jose Sharks need to be uh, the betting pick. I don't know. And <laughs> now your so Indians potentially. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get to them. And in our, in our bridge <laughs> to football though. It was really interesting to see Aaron Rodgers in the one shining moment video. I thought that was good Ah, to give him him a break finally, you know, he's needed it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Get that much needed exposure. Uh,
0: All right, so Matt Wittenberg, Money Mitch effect. Let's go to the football storyline. And if you're wondering why there wasn't as much coverage of the title game this morning on your local sports show, it was probably because the biggest story of the day was that Tony Romo. The hotly contested, soon-to-be free agent Tony Romo decided to sign with the television network. He's going to CBS to call games. And it's funny because we brought up that possibility months ago. I remember having a discussion when I had uh, Brenna Haven and Heather Pink on here about NFL analysts that could potentially be analyst players. And Romo was the guy. It's like, oh, he's definitely sought after But having said that, I had no thought that he would do this right now. It's a stunning move that... You know, looking at makes sense, but how shocked are you that he pulled the trigger on a TV deal with some primitive football years to play?
1: No, I'm very, very surprised. Apparently, the deal that CBS was offering him was just too good of an opportunity to pass up, and I can't fault him for that. But, I mean, just, like, looking at him last year, I'm like, the guy, like, you you could tell he wanted to play and how much it hurt having to concede the starting job to Dak Getting that cameo appearance in Week 17 against the Eagles, it just looked like he still had more in the tank. And Obviously, in Houston, with that prime situation to go into a, a playoff team with a good defense, but yeah, I can't say. I guess CBS and Jim Nance and his whole friends just put it over the top.
0: Yeah, I, I would wonder to, what that sales pitch was like, how, how Jim Nance really sold. They probably gave him his tie. That's probably where where it all came down to. He is a
1: keen observer of the human condition, after all.
0: <laughs> I think, oh man, what a bad day to be Phil Sims. <laughs> I mean, I, I, <laughs> could you imagine waking up and reading reading the paper no, and then was, getting the alert that you're no longer the top guy? It's
1: a good day for the uh, football viewing public on CBS, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean. We can agree to. Yeah, but we
0: can agree to that. I think it was time for uh, for old Phil to, to move on I'm, from that top spot.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued to hear him, though. Well, He's obviously a charismatic guy, very, very well-spoken, so, but just surprised that he didn't want to go back for so, another year.
0: So I have a couple thoughts on this, and one is, you know, you're right. I mean, we've heard all along. I mean, we've seen him give great interviews, be charismatic and thoughtful, but the football community almost universally says he'll be great at it. Which you got to take them for their worth. I know it's going to be tough to learn on the fly, but he's got that work ethic. He's got that ability, and the contract he signed is going to enable him to not just cover football, but golf. I mean, he's a scratch golfer. He's, a big he's golf guy. you know, Masters are coming up. He might be on the you know, might have a cameo there. We'll see. That could
1: have something to do with the timing too.
0: I think with Romo's case, you never want to tell an athlete when they should or shouldn't hang it up. His body had been beat up and. Now he goes to a job where he's not getting hit every week, you know, uh-huh. where he's not at risk of life altering, I don't want to say threatening, but life-altering effects. You play a violent game, and, and that comes with the consequences. But I will say this too. I don't know that this necessarily closes the book on football. He said 99 percent sure that he's not coming back. He's still only 37. The rules are favoring quarterbacks. It's a position where I don't think you lose as much as other position when you take years off and you lose those reps. He's like everybody's emergency quarterback now.
1: I saw, yeah, I saw that tweeted out earlier, and you can be, you can bet if someone's starter goes down around week eight, week nine, that he's definitely gonna be getting those phone calls. And is he gonna get the Brett Favre itch to come out of retirement and give it another go? I mean, that's only for him to say, but it seems like it's gonna be hard to pass up the cushy uh, booth with Jim Nance, where you're not, like you said, getting tackled or the like.
0: Well, and I wonder, too, what it means for these teams that thought that Romo was in play. The Texans come to mind. I don't necessarily put the Broncos in that class because I think they were better suited and it was more likely that he would go to Houston. But mm-hmm. there's a couple teams out there, even probably some we don't even know about, that were angling for Romo, and now they got to go back to the drawing board. What do you think is next for them?
1: Yeah, the Texans are, obviously, they were the number one team that everyone had in peg for. And they only have Tom Savage as their guy right now, so you, it's a safe bet that they're going to draft someone. I don't know if they're going to trade up and try and get someone, but just the way that this draft kind of shaking out, I feel like someone Mahomes the potentially will be there late. I, I know they've had a pick in the 20s since they made the playoffs, but, yeah, obviously they didn't think that my boy, Sun Devil Brock Osweiler, was the guy, so they cut bait, and now they're going to go in with, as of right now with Tom Savage but I would be legitimately stunned if they didn't take a quarterback in the first round now
0: and that's interesting too with Houston because unlike all these other teams they're good enough to win right
1: now Exactly. so you
0: can't say we're going to go in with Savage and if we're bad we're bad they they have every intention and deservedly so of being good
1: that's why everyone <laughs> pegged it that yeah. for Romo that's a playoff made team it just needed a quarterback to get over the hump and now like you said it's back in the drawing board for them I think the other
0: big winners in this might be that free agent quarterback market, Jay Cutler, Colin Kaepernick. We'll see if you know, other names too, if it opens the door for them to maybe be in play.
1: And camp injuries are gonna happen too. It happens every off season, so I wouldn't rule either of those guys out of getting NFL gigs just yet either. We'll see. It would
0: be funny to hear Romo comment and then sign with the team like the next day and then be playing. <laughs> in the game. Maybe, you know, maybe he'd do dual jobs. Brandon Marshall's on inside the NFL oh, or was on true. inside the NFL, so we'll see. But Tony Romo is no longer playing. And I, I, I want to end the, this part of the discussion with this. Where do you see Romo and his legacy? I think there's interesting debates. There's two dichotomies of how good he was. I think he was a really good, I won't say great, but a really good NFL quarterback. He uh, was a top I third, agree. top third, maybe even top fourth, you know, in that eight to ten
1: range consistently for about a decade. And that's pretty hard to do at any level of the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And the big uh with the big uh, microscope of Jerry on you there in Dallas. It's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to succeed there. And by a lot of statistical measures, he's the Cowboys' most successful quarterback, obviously. He didn't win in the playoffs, and that's his big drawback, and and he couldn't stay healthy. So there's a lot of like what could have been with him, but for the time that he was on the field, he played extremely well and was a really good good asset to that organization to be sure. Probably the third greatest cowboy quarterback
0: ever. Is that safe <laughs> to say? Staubach, Aikman, Romo. Yeah, uh, I, I might mean,
1: I might throw Sun Devil Danny White ahead of him. But yeah, that's, no, that's just that's, being that's, a homer. But yeah,
0: I mean that, that's that's not a crazy school of thought, but. One of the best undrafted players, cool story out of Eastern Illinois, to make that team under Bill Parcells' watch. So you had talk about facing long odds. He goes to Dallas, all places, has to impress two of the biggest, you know, egos and and personas in the NFL. Does that? I think. I mean, the the way I look at it is, how many teams, twenty to twenty five QBs every year, teams would have traded their guy to
1: get Roma? Yeah, there's no doubt. When you look look at the (laughs) landscape right now, with how many teams would would take him over their guy right now? It's Got to be up there. You know, he's going to get a lot of flack
0: for not winning, only having two playoff wins, but I think his career is a, is a good one and he got the most out of his ability and out of his style. Really an unorthodox style that we might never see a player like Romo again play the way that he does. I think that's fair to say.
1: That's no, true. Complica- a lot of uh, Cowboys fans don't give him the love that he deserves, but it's crazy I feel to like, me. Yeah, I feel like the true true Cowboys fans, they definitely know what he did for that franchise and show him a lot of love. Like, he, like you said, right up there with Aikman, Stahlbeck and maybe Danny White, but he's, yeah, he's going to be welcome back in, uh, Valley Ranch for years to come, I imagine.
0: Crazy to me that, that of all the, the players that a lot of Homer Cowboy fans don't give credit to, it's Romo, but yeah, it's we'll see, you know, he, he's a beloved figure by, by a great amount of them, and, uh, we'll see what happens, but Romo, out of football, another one bites the dust of, uh, This generation of talent. Well, Matt Wittenberg, Money Mitch effect. Before we move on to baseball, I just want to ask you with the NFL. It seems like, you know, we we say it's always football season now. Like that's Mm -hmm. the new slogan. I'm trying to get to catch on, but. (laughs) It's hard to argue it. I wonder what the next domino to drop, what the next shoe to drop will be. We've had the Romo story. Now that's resolved. There's the draft, but we have all these free agents sitting out there. Do you think. I mean, and the Raiders I had to throw in, too, because they had just wrote right. something I, all the I time. I forgot about that. Oh, that's not that's a way to get going, Las Vegas. But I wonder, what do you think the next shoot to drop will be? Is it going to be calm until the draft, or some of these big-name free agents like Adrian Peterson
1: going to sign before them? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I feel like at this point they might be better off holding out, because like I, I allude to earlier, camp injuries are going to happen, and happens every year. It's only a matter of time, and... If a team starting running back goes down, you know the first call they're going to make is to Adrian Peterson. So I don't necessarily see anything happen on his front before the draft, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting for sure. And then obviously the draft comes trades and guys swapping places, so Mm -hmm. that's always a hotbed of news. The New England side of things is to
0: me the most intriguing because of all the teams (laughs) that have room and might be looking to make an addition, they add Burkett, so they have him. And you wonder with Blunt, they could bring him back or are they waiting to see if Peterson will take a a little offer like they like? So I think that's one to me where if they decide that they're not going to sign AP, I think Blunt gets signed pretty quick. Because mean, we talked about it last week, he led the league in touchdowns last year. No, it's true.
1: Yeah, great season.
0: So I I think he's going to be one of the first running backs of this new wave to sign. I mean, we still have Jamal Charles out there. there. You know, there's not just running backs. There's a lot of good free agents looking for work. Sure,
1: and the quarterbacks you alluded to earlier, Cutler and Kaepernick. And, yeah, the running backs, though, just speaks to how much of a youth movement there is at the position when these guys who were probably the best running backs in their respective franchise histories just can't get a job right now. It's crazy. The
0: game keeps getting younger. Labor is cheap with rookie contracts. Mm-hmm. It's not a good mix for veterans with injury conditions, pre-existing conditions at that. So we'll, we'll monitor. Draft's uh, less than a month away now. but We're moving into this offseason, and we'll see where it goes. But I want to switch now to baseball. I know you're a baseball guy, Matt, and I know you, of all people, were one of the most proud, happy that baseball season was back. Oh, absolutely. You've been missing it, I could tell. And now that it's winter. back, it's 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 something special, especially when a team like your Dodgers open at home. What's that like from the fan perspective? Like you're waiting for this sport and then opening day as a tradition. I, I think it's unique to even American sports, just how that baseball how baseball starts their season.
1: Yeah, I I'm not sure if it really compares to any other sport, like first game. Like it's it's baseball's opening day. It's like quintessential Americana. It's Every team has a shot. That's what the big, like, prevailing theme is, the optimism for every yeah, single team. even the Padres and the Twins. Yeah, <laughs> short-lived after that first game, but, but yeah, it's it's just something special. And, like, anyone who grew up going to baseball games, just that feeling you get going on that first day and seeing your ace on the mound, it's, it's really something special. For me, it's that
0: first moment after warm-ups are done in the top of the first and the umpire calls the first batter in. Like, mm-hmm. I like the theatrics and everything before. The intro. But, but when he steps into the batter's box, that's when you know it's real and it's back. And I think it's good. And the Dodgers come out killing. You know, I don't know if they're here enough for a World Series run, but it's always good to play
1: the Padres Series yeah. 1. I feel like, yeah, I feel like at least the last three years they've opened with the Padres. So, I mean, that's a good sign. And A stat I saw for Kershaw is that he's 7-0 and on opening day, which is all-time best for pitcher with five plus starts on opening (laughs) day so can't argue with that result
0: no we'll see how the the Dodgers look Seager's already (laughs) mashing. I think this NL race is going to be interesting because you have the Dodgers you have the Cubs who are the Cubs and and then they've proved that they're the talent a second to none Mets are going to be a lethal team Mm -hmm. and the Cardinals are probably back to being contending I, I don't I think last year was a down year for them but I think it's deeper this year than it was last year. I feel confident saying that in the National
1: League. Yeah, absolutely. It's I, Even throwing the Nationals there as a team that you didn't mention, they're going to probably be the class of the East with the Mets right there. And it's probably going to be a two-team two re- race in every division in that Now Giants and Dodgers are probably going to be there the whole way unfortunately, as much as I'd like to see them lose a lot. But. <laughs> well, and we got to talk about Bumgarner, right? I know. Like, he's a savage. Yeah. Like, it's just two home runs, first pitcher day. to
0: do that, first pitcher in like 100 years to lead the league in home runs after a day's action have been played.
1: God, he's just like, he's a guy who I would love if he was on any yeah. other team except for the
0: Cardinals. It's well, funny, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Is Dallas Braden put it best when he's calling the game? That's not a pitcher's swing. No, he's like his swing is different. Like got he, something yeah. else
1: going there. It's, yeah, obviously, his playoff uh, heroics well documented. His World Series celebration, smashing with like five. Butt heavies over his head, yeah. drowning those. I just likes to hunt, drink, and play baseball. It's
0: uh, modern American, as I like to say. <laughs> but Colorado is my sleeper team. I, I agreed with all the two team races in every division except the what I think Colorado can make noise this year.
1: Like, yeah.
0: I, don't, I don't. I think the Dodgers are the class of the NL West, but Rockies push for a wild card. I can absolutely see that.
1: It all goes back. It's their problem every year. Is like they have the offense, but they don't have the pitching staff to get yeah. it done. And then teams like obviously cores goes both ways. So even though the Rockies are scoring a lot of mm-hmm. runs in their home games, the teams that they're playing against also have the advantages of playing there. so.
0: I just feel like every year in baseball, there's a surprise team. Usually one in each league, and it could be oh, every year for the Rockies.
1: Hey, I wouldn't mind seeing that at all, especially if they unseat the Giants for being second in the West. And Arenado, he was my first pick in my fantasy <laughs> draft. This year. I love watching that guy play so much. And nobody
0: really hates the Rockies either. They're just no, kind of like that. They're, they're there. Yeah, you know. But I wouldn't say they don't. They have good fans. It's not it's just they're not really anybody's rival. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's, that's part of it. And the American League, I mean, I'm I'm a little biased with that Indians comeback against the Rangers. You like what you see early. I'll be completely honest. I think it's unbelievably amazing as an Indians fan that they're in the worst division in baseball.
1: No, (laughs) it it bodes well for their their fortunes, though. Like, look
0: at the future. Look at the five-year plan. Mm -hmm. The five, maybe call it a ten-year plan. For a five-year plan
1: for all the other teams. It just does not look good. No, it's Detroit's old. Obviously, they're probably going to be the team that's going to be there most of the way. I mean, Kansas City, we'll see if they bounce back. Because last year, obviously, they kind of disappeared. But, yeah, I mean, Minnesota and the White Sox are both going to be in the doldrums of all of baseball. So, things are boding well for uh, for your tribe. And, and Carnacion got on the board mm-hmm. early with the home run. Klub's kind of strong. Brantley's old, back. Brantley's back, yeah, hopefully. Over those injury concerns, and I expect them to be there at it, the end. They're they're a dangerous team.
0: Here's my my unconventional thought on a pitcher struggling, especially early. It doesn't bother me more if it's home runs, if it's like Odor just mashing them out of the park. I I, I get more bothered when it's like ten hits, like ten singles. You know, like yeah. just you know merry-go-round out there.
1: Death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah.
0: My my bold prediction, though, that I think I'd make is it wouldn't surprise me if both. New York and Boston missed the playoffs this year. Uh,
1: the AL East is really tough. It's so, and,
0: and you know what, the Yankees, I, <laughs> they might be my pick for being a tad overrated this year. I just don't know how you can trust that rotation, like the offense, but you wonder, is the offense ready? Or are they just missing each other, where the offense might be a little worse than we thought, still good, and the pitching, Tanaka gets ripped up. Panetta's like number two. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Boston's a, a fascinating team, but I don't know that necessarily adding big money players makes you a better team in a sport like baseball where so many players impact the game.
1: No, ask the Dodgers about that, the highest payroll <laughs> in baseball, and I haven't been to a World Series since I've been alive. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it, you can throw all the money in the world at it, but if your guys don't gel and stick together, it's it's not going to work. But I like Boston a lot. They, they have a lot of potential, especially Ben Attendee, that swing that he launched mm. into yeah. right field on opening day, that's a dangerous outfield yeah. Uh, the Yankees, they might just be about a year away, though. They, they have a lot of young talent, but it's hard to say how well, how well they're going to do this season. And like you said, the pitching concerns.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I think Boston still gets there. But Toronto, Baltimore don't, don't appear to be going anywhere either. So it's going to be a wild ride. And then that AL West, which the Rangers look to be back and, and proving that it wasn't fluky last year. Right now in Seattle, it could be their time. you know. And Houston, yeah. Houston last year was the most underratedly fascinating story to me because they make the playoffs if the Rangers don't destroy them in the head-to-head. That's true. It was like 3-18 or something stupid, and all they have to do is go 500, and they're in with ease.
1: Astros were one of those most underachieving teams from last year. Everyone had a ton of high expectations for them in 2016, but yeah, I, I like where they're at a lot. Correa's a beast. Heiko looked like he looked really good on opening day, so he might have regained his ace form, and I don't expect the Angels or the A's to threaten that top three in the ALS, but we'll see. Well
0: we gotta get up for baseball because that's pretty much what we got. I mean we got NBA, you know, NHL playoffs, but it's gonna be baseball for, you know, a long portion of the summer by itself. We don't have the Olympics this year, so yes. better get used to baseball.
1: Hey, i you know where I stand on that. I've Oh, yeah. All for it, and I, I know, for, unfortunately, a lot of people can't get into it, but just go to a game. Take it in, and I don't know how you couldn't fall in love with it. I do think that there are elements that could be
0: sh- shorter time can be trimmed off of the game, and if they ever really start extra innings with the runner on second.
1: That'd be interesting. I just think sure.
0: these guys have a running like competition to see who could be the worst commissioner in sports. <laughs> you know, but Batman, we're not picking players to the Olympics. So Goodell, we're just gonna just <laughs> let all these teams move, and you know, all mm-hmm. this stuff. And then here's Manfred coming in from the rafters and trying to decide <laughs> it. So I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. Well, I got I, before I should go. I need thought on one thing. There was another sports story this weekend, and that's whoever that fan was who narked on that LPGA golfer. I mean, oh, that was man. ridiculous. Man,
1: talk about breaking the unwritten rules. Jeez, like. Might have the gall to do it from watching on TV. Like if you were there, I mean, that's still bad, but not I yeah. mean, it's a little bit accepted. I mean, my
0: first thought was a competitor's family member or somebody she dated in the past. Like, that's really, <laughs> but, like how, that But how, how I don't wanna say loser, but how boring must your life be if what you're doing is watching LPJ events or any sporting event really, and you're thinking, Okay, yeah, yeah, that's about an inch off. I should call I'm going to report yeah. this. I don't even know how. You, how do you find out who to report that to?
1: Yeah, much less that you. How do you, like you know they're gonna get it to like actually check? I, I don't know. The whole thing is just really fishy.
0: And... I, and we talk about baseball maybe being a tad boring at times. <laughs> golf has way more elements to that. We the Masters coming up. It should be a good time to celebrate golf. Mm-hmm. Yet they have these incidents where it just makes it harder to get into the game.
1: Like where no, it's just. It's not viewer-friendly when when this stuff happens. Discouraging, to say the least, for sure. And, yeah, I mean, if you reported it, I mean, I hope you feel that you did your duty and make helps you sleep better at night, I guess. I don't know. I
0: felt really bad. <laughs> I felt really bad for it. But, hey, you know, sports aren't always... Uh, aren't always don't always involve the uh, the best characters, I'll put it that way. No, very true. Matt Wittenberg, this was fun. I do I want to mention, though, I mean, I was a little... I don't watch wrestling anymore, but I was a little teary-eyed when the Undertaker retired on Sunday. At yeah, yeah, I
1: actually got the you know? whole uh, the whole show, and yeah, I mean, I'm not a big wrestling follower either, but I, that, yeah. was, that was a good scene, and then the Hardy Boys coming I out know. For the uh, tag team. Kurt Angle in the Hall
0: of Fame. I, I had like a five to six year run where I was watching every show, and then you know about '99 to like oh five or so, and mm-hmm. then for another five years after that where I was a part timer where I. Right. Eight, and now, like, I'll keep somewhat tabs The ESPN gets WWE updates now, so it's yeah, hard to completely avoid that? it. But I, I keep tabs on it, and I do respect, look, from a production value standpoint, WrestleMania is second to none.
1: No, they not. Vince point, McMahon oh, wow.
0: puts that show on every year, it is amazing to me. But, yeah, I mean, The Undertaker was like, that's pretty much it. Like, he's the last of that era. Like, he was around since, I looked at like, 90. That's,
1: yeah, it's insane. <laughs> Apparently, he had feuds with the... Uh... Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk
0: Hogan. So how it's, about that? Yeah, his first. I first match it was against like Jimmy Fly Soup. Snuka. Jimmy Fly Snuka. Wow. Who, you know, had his issues that we're not going to get into. But there's uh, you know, he spawned a lot of decades. And I know how wrestling works. That you lose your last match because it's all about paying it forward to mm. for the future. This guy, Roman Reigns, who, I mean, he got booed pretty bad. I guess he's a good guy, so I don't yeah, think apparently he's popular he's,
1: with the fans, but yeah, yeah, you know. it's like, one of the least popular, like, guys in that, that WWE is mm-hmm. apparently trying to push as their new poster child, but it's not taking, so. It
0: was sad to see Taker just put, you know, his gloves in the ring, his hat, his coat, and just walk off. Yeah. But it was time. I mean, the guy's in his fifties. He'd been beat up. He can't do it forever. And no, it, was it was a good trend. It was a good send off. It was good. It made up for the uh, the budding proposal that nobody saw coming. Oh, uh, I, I cannot believe the reality that's star that's got cool. married in a scripted match. I mean, what what are the odds of that? But I don't I don't want to hate on that. I mean, if they're probably they're gonna get married in real life. John Cena, and Nikki Bella, or whoever. And you know, best of luck to them. But
1: yeah, I, I, think, I hope they're happy.
0: <laughs> what, what, yeah, how did he wrestle with that ring too? I mean, that's I, I that's know, what, what I was saying. saying
1: like. And with that break in your pocket. We've got all those cargo short pockets. That's true. That's probably why it is. Lots of
0: way. Well, Matt Wittenberg, thanks for coming on the show. This was fun. There'll be more baseball in the spring. I can uh, assure you that hopefully both our teams are still riding high atop their divisions.
1: Oh, no doubt. Can't wait for that.
0: We'll be doing this more often, especially as we go in. A lot of baseball-heavy talk. So thanks again for coming on the show. All right. That interview was brought to you by no one because I don't have sponsors yet, (laughs) but seriously thanks to Matt Wittenberg for coming on the show and discussing all those topics. We had a lot to get to. It was a busy sports weekend. Thank him for coming on and discussing all those topics with me as we look forward to baseball with some spring playoffs in there as well. And speaking of spring playoffs, it's now time to talk to Joe Casale, another one of my former co-workers at the NFL we got to talk hockey. It's that time. We're getting close. Only a couple games left before the greatest playoffs in all sports begins. We'll go over all the scenarios, how teams can make runs, what the seating's going to look like. And we'll also talk about that Olympic band that Gary Bettman and company put on the NHL. I hope you got some passionate thoughts about that too. It's Joe Sally on the Money Mitch Effect. Here it is now. Time now to talk some hockey. With that, bringing back on the show, Joe Crisali. Joe, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect yet again. What up? Happy to be here. Well, on the
2: phone.
0: yeah, you're on the phone this time. We couldn't do the in person. I do, I do have to get you to the revamped studio at some point with a new microphone in play. Uh, but one day, you'll, you'll get there at one point for sure. Uh, just you know, keep reach, keep reaching for the stars. Yeah. But unfortunately, we do have some bad news to start off with. Yesterday, we're recording this on a uh, Tuesday evening, early evening. Joe, I was having a pretty good Monday, as far as Mondays go. You know, I wasn't down at all. And then I got the update that in 2018, next year, the NHL is not going to be sending its players to South Korea for the Olympic Games. And for the first time in 20 years, there'll be no Olympic hockey as we know it. Joe, I'm uh, going to be completely honest, I'm pretty pissed off about this decision, but I'll let you go first. As a hockey fan, how does this sit with you? How do you look at this situation as someone that loves the NHL and also, I'm assuming, loves watching Olympic hockey the best in the world play on that Olympic stage? I'll just say it's trash. Trash it, is it good. Tra- make, trash. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense as to why
2: the players don't participate. I mean, I get the whole injury risk Scenario, but baseball did it this year with the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, some players got hurt, but it's not detrimental to the production of the MLB season. They're still, you know, they're still moving along. Mm-hmm. And the NHL, what, what is the Olympics without hockey? What's the Winter Olympics without hockey? That's the event that I pay attention to the most, and it's just sad. <laughs> what are we going to be watching? Where everyone's going to be? Grown hardcore for
0: that curling matchup instead. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, the biathlon will finally move, move to center stage. But I'll I'll start I'll start with this, Joe. The thing that pisses me off the most, and I agree with you on the it's trash sentiment. But the thing that makes me the most upset was the rumblings and the and the truth behind it that this was just the NHL's bargaining tactic. That they would have allowed them to play the players play in the game, in the Olympic Games, if they just extended the current CBA, which clearly the players aren't happy with. So that's the part that pisses me off the most. This was just a bargaining tactic. They're like, "Oh yeah, you can play Olympic hockey if you give us the status quo. If you keep if you maintain the status quo of this bargaining agreement that we know you're not happy with, but we love. So that's just again, poor leadership at the top from the NHL. What else is new? But how else, you know, you say everybody wants, at the top of hockey, wants to grow the game, but then this stuff happens, this crap happens where they're not setting their best on the Olympic stage, when everyone, like you said, would be watching, and they're going to be like, no, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. You know, it just, it sits very poorly with me, and to see top players upset is at least some silver lining, that at least they understand that this is a complete joke.
2: You know, the whole fact that everything is about money is unbelievable. Batman realizing that hockey is growing and that more fans are realizing how great hockey is and that they're getting more fans. He's trying to capitalize on the amount of money that he thinks he's going to be making off of it also while screwing the players over at the same time, which is insanity. Because you're not going to be able to go out there and show the quality of hockey. What other stage is there to show than on the Olympic ice with those players playing for their country? And there's nothing more than what a player likes to do more than to represent his country. Yeah, sure they love to win Stanley Cobb. Yeah, sure they love to put on their uniform, their sweaters every day, but even in the World Baseball Classic, I was watching an interview with Francis Lindor. He played in the World Series last year. He was talking about how the World Baseball Classic is something different. It's, it's playing for your country. It means yeah. more to you as a person and as a, as a player because it's you're representing an entire country. You're not just representing a team that's in a league. But it's just really, it's really sad to know that they're they're not going to be able to play.
0: Well, you'd like to think that something will happen, but it's not looking good. No last-minute uh, situations are looking good. The NHL season will go on without the break in the Olympics in 2018. Three lockouts in what the last 22, 23 years while Bettman's been commissioner. That is not a good look. And look, you know what, I'm glad that players are speaking out about it. I don't know if Ovechkin will follow through on his word, but Ted Leonisius, the owner of the Capitals, said that anybody that wants to leave their team has his blessing. That could be a messy situation too, Joe. Players, especially Russian players, which we know it means a lot to them, decide we're just going to go anyway, screw the NHL. That also is an issue, like you said, because those players not only could just leave for the
2: Olympics, they could see the state that the NHL is going in with Batman in charge, and maybe they leave the NHL altogether. Yeah, the KHL is the, the big winner.
0: Itself.
2: Yeah, the KHL has been taking players from the NHL. I mean, granted, not a lot, but like uh, Ilya Kovalchuk went back over there. It takes some players, and, and, you know, if the NHL starts keeps dropping off the way it is with Batman in charge, I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see some players saying, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this guy telling me what I can and can't do. I want
0: to represent my country. I want to play where I want to play. And that's that. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't want to let the IOC, the the International Olympic Committee, off the hook, too. They handle this about as awful as you can. It's just a mess. And it's a shame for the fans, for fans of hockey that want to see it, and new fans that aren't going to get the opportunity. I mean, I I saw the article where Austin Matthews, uh, 20, you know, he's 19, 20 years old right now, he's never been alive when NHL players haven't gone to Olympic hockey, so this is sad that these younger guys aren't going to get the chance. It's a, a bad situation all the way around, but we'll keep it moving here. On the Money Mitch Effect with Joe Crisali, we'll get to the NHL action, action Joe, and I'll start with this. There aren't that many playoff series, Joe, that are set in stone, but it looks like Your team, the New York Rangers, are going to go north of the border for a first-round matchup against the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know how you feel about that, but an interesting first-round draw with the top wildcard team in the Eastern Conference, the New York Rangers.
2: Honestly, it's best-case scenario for the Rangers. I was kind of upset that they potted 100 points this year and they're a wildcard team, which is just absurd but I would rather them face the Canadians than the Penguins or the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets have had their number all season, and the Penguins always play them really tough. I think they have the best chance. They match up much better against the Canadians because they're much faster.
0: I mean, my big thing, I, I everybody knows my stance on how awful this, how ridiculous this playoff setup set is, but it did maybe yeah. benefit the Rangers this year. I want to ask you about the team this year. Because the Rangers at times have been good, but they've looked pretty inconsistent. I know they haven't had a whole lot to play for because they've kind of been pigeonholed in that four spot in their division. But the Lundqvist and defensive factors, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm a Lundqvist fan. It just seems like Father Time's catching up. And I don't know. I mean, this is a matchup they should be all right with with Montreal. But they're going to need more out of their back line and, and more out of King Hank come playoff time.
2: Hey, they've, uh, you know, Brady Gagey's been stepping up. McDonough's been out for a little while, but their young D guys have been stepping up. Now, granted, Girardi and Saul haven't been playing as well Mm -hmm. this year, as Rangers fans would have hoped, but they're getting really good play out of them, and don't knock Anthony Ranta. He filled in really nicely for Lundquist when he was out, so I have full faith in him to play really well in the playoffs, if if need be, if Lundquist isn't playing up to his own standards, but I definitely have a lot of confidence in the young guys that they
0: put out there. Like Skate, he played really well this year. Yeah, I do offensively want to see more. I mean, Vessi, Vessi started out great, Joe, and he's kind of been struggling. We need to, You guys need to see more out of J.T. Miller. Montreal has Carey Price, so you, you've got that in the back of your mind that he's going to just try to carry the team. He's got Weber in front of him. They're not going to score a lot, but they're not going to give up a lot. But they're a nasty team it's, with Andrew Shaw addition as one. And I think it could be a good series. I'm liking the Rangers' chances if they get out to a good start, but I feel like Price is a guy that plays better as the series goes along, so we shall see what happens there. I think it'll be a good one, though. Yeah,
2: true that. I'm definitely, I'm definitely intrigued to see that series. I, I'm more optimistic going into Rangers-Canadians than had I would have been going into Rangers-Blue Jackets or Penguins or <laughs> anybody else up in that division.
0: You brought up that Metropolitan Division, Joe. And as of right now, tonight, as we record this, the Penguins are, are thrashing the Blue Jackets 3-0. I think it's after one period. And that's yeah. an important game because it looks like Washington pretty much has the division, has the President's Trophy yet again. But the Blue Jackets and Penguins going into tonight are one point apart. And that's going to be a first-round matchup. So you still have home ice advantage up to up for grabs. But as far as first-round matchups go, Joe... I don't know if I undersell this or I'm overselling this, but this could be one of the all-time good-to-great first-round series if they play up to their potential Penguins-Boo Jackets, two teams well over 100 points in the first round.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that matchup just reminds me of all the great Blackhawks-Blues matchups that we've seen in the first round of the playoffs the last couple of years. Usually go seven games, and they're usually overtime almost every game. (laughs)
0: You know what? I, this isn't necessarily a, a preview of what the X's and O's are, Joe. But I think for Columbus, I think they do have a better chance than maybe people are giving them credit. I say that because Pittsburgh is pretty banged up. And if they're not all there, if tanks still missing time, if you know, we know that certain players have had injury history, Crosby included, if they're not all on the ice, not healthy, not, not clicking, Columbus is deep, four lines deep. They could definitely win this series. I'm not necessarily making them the favorite, but they got a definite chance to win it.
2: Yeah, it's not only injuries. Columbus is a, is a much better team than people give them credit for. They are where they are for a reason. And they have that young D guy, Wrenski. He had rookie he who's a dominant force this year for them. And Kent Atkinson, how many goals he have? Like 40 this year? Oh, Doesn't he's up go? there.
0: Yeah, he's definitely near the top of the scoring list. Don't oh, forget, he's got, they got Bobrovsky back there, too. He's oh, yeah. he the trophy winner. That's the thing, and he might win it again. this. I mean, yeah, I would say it's close with him. It's going to be you know, a race between him, Holpi, maybe Dubnik in there. Bobrovsky's been amazing. I'll say this, though, for the, for the Capitals, though, Joe, they're getting an easier first-round matchup. But, again, it's whoever comes out of Pittsburgh-Columbus, the other thing is going to be feeling pretty good. So it could be a dangerous second-round matchup again if the Capitals don't play that great in the first, and here comes a hot Pittsburgh or Columbus team.
2: Hey, I'm just glad that the Rangers, if things stand the way that they stand now, they play Montreal in the first round. If they win that first round, they face the winner of Toronto, Ottawa. Best case scenario <laughs> is the Rangers right there. they got to face one of those two teams instead of not only going to have to face the Penguins, Capitals or the Blue Jackets in the first round, they won't
0: have to face them in the second round
2: either. Yeah, So I'm pretty stoked about
0: that. I know you can't but, look forward though. You gotta be careful because the NHL playoffs, anything can happen. It's grueling and it's long. And and Boston is that team, Joe. That could that be worst case scenario? I think for you, I, I would not want to deal with Boston of all those teams. I think Toronto, Ottawa. That's that's a much more favorable matchup. You get the Bruins in the seven game series. You get Marchand, who's playing out of his mind. You know, Rask has done it before. I think it's scary.
2: They're, they're the hot team right now, and that definitely would be dangerous. I'm um, just fingers crossed that it sticks the way it does
0: now. So do you think, as we kind of put a ball on the Eastern Conference, Joe, I mean, we've, we've looked at how the playoff picture is kind of just settling. Do you think any team makes a push? I mean, Tampa Bay has done all they can, but it looks like they're running out of time to get to that Boston spot at the wild card. Do you think they have anything left in the tank?
2: Uh, I don't really see another team down there making a push at the end of the season. There's only four games left for them, so they'll need something to swing their way in order for them to bump into the playoffs there. And and Boston's been playing pretty well lately, and I don't see them dropping off.
0: Yeah, they they have four left. Boston has three. They're four points back. So game in hand, if they win out, or or maybe 3-1 and and Boston goes on a slide, but it's going to be tough. I'll give Tampa credit, though, Joe. Because then the Islanders, too, I'll throw them in there, as they're going to be the second team probably that misses out. These teams were dead and buried a couple months ago, and they made it competitive. So it's good to see that they kept going, even if, in the Islanders' case, they don't know where they're going to be playing next year.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, you got to feel for the Islanders, though. They made this late push, and then now the far. is out, so they're kind
0: of screwed. Yeah, and, and I do want to bring up one other thing before we go to the Western Conference, Joe. A player that I don't think is getting enough credit this year for how well he's played especially in the second half of the season, Jack Eichel. I mean, he's been, you, you play fantasy hockey, so you know as much as well as anyone. He's been a beast, as good as just about anybody in the last couple months.
2: Yeah, absolutely. i got to go up against him in the finals.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry uh, to hear that.
2: He's been very under the radar. He got hurt. He missed the beginning part of the season, and everybody kind of forgot about him. Now, granted, Buffalo isn't a great team, as usual, but he's turned them into a little bit better than, than people are usually expecting seeing. Buffalo fans, they definitely that's that's their
0: guy, that's their guy, the future. He's pretty good, and you got to think that he's is almost it's crazy that he's been underrated. Like he's been overshadowed by the presence of McDavid and Matthews, and then Patrick Linea, that we've almost kind of forgotten just how good he is. This is a number two overall pick that had a dominant year at Boston University, and I don't know if the Sabres will turn it around, Joe. I don't know what their future holds. Bilesma might get fired. They have a lot of. Roster issues, but the kid's pretty damn good, and you know you got a real player in him, so at least you have one cornerstone. Oh, totally. so, you know, but we'll see. Joe Cristalli, Money Mitch effect. Let's go to the Western Conference. And every year, the theory is you can just write Chicago in, they're going to be near the top of the conference. And here they are again, 107 points. They've been on a tear, maybe, the, I think, the best second half team in all of hockey. Before we get to the playoff matchups, Joe, I'm voting Joe Quinville, player, Coach of the Year. It's ridiculous that he hasn't won one with the Blackhawks, and I think this probably is his best coaching regular season of his career.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can pretty much just look at the Blackhawks every year. It doesn't matter who they got. They're going to be in the playoffs. And I totally agree with you. Kind of about the fact that he hasn't won a coach of the year with that team yet is absurd because I think people are just used to them winning all the time. The voters <laughs> yeah. are probably just like, yeah, you know, it's usual. He's got a good lineup. He's got the – Deep roster, but without
0: that guy there, there. Well, who are they? Yeah, well, it's the Popovich Belichick factor that you know the teams have done so well. You just expect them to be well, and you don't you don't vote for them coach of the year. I think he's third all time in career wins, third or fourth. It's insane how well he's done coaching everywhere he's gone, and yet again the Blackhawks look good. But Joe, is there anything any you know we might be nitpicking here, but any flaws you think? Could weigh this team down come playoff time. Is there anything about the Blackhawks that you think might be a little worrisome in a, in a series later in the playoffs? Ooh, that's a tough. One. It's tough. I, you know, I could think of maybe Crawford because he's that's been inconsistent awesome, at times. Is, and, is and, maybe yeah. Crawford and Keith Still step up. How about the wear and tear of just a team that's been playing 20 extra games in the last six years consistently? You know a lot of miles yeah. on those on those players, especially the older ones, and Keith and Seabrook on the back line.
2: But I mean that could go both ways too, because that's wear and tear, but that's
0: also experience. Yeah, Keith will slash his own mother to win another cup, so I'm, I'm I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to have him if I was a Blackhawks player, fan, or coach. So I, it's going to be tough to beat them. And conversely, Joe, you look at the Minnesota Wild that started off hot. They're going to be right in that two seed come playoff time have a tough matchup with either the Blues or the Predators, looking like the Blues right now. But I, I don't know about this team because they have a lot to like. They're deeper than they've been. Doomnick's a good goalie. But it, it's all going to run through Chicago at some point, and I don't know if they could beat them. They never have in the past. I don't know that it starts this year. That
2: is the only question I have for the Wild. I mean, they have been unreal this year. They got four guys in the top ten stats of minus, which is insane. And yeah. two of them are forwards. Yeah. Dubnick, wow. Like you said, Dubnik is a great goaltender. They've been playing a ridiculously good brand of hockey all season long, and they haven't stopped. If there is a team that can give Chicago a run for their money, it's the Wild. Honestly, if it's not Chicago coming out of the West this year, it's going to be the Wild. Those are my those are my two. Like one of those two teams is going to make it in.
0: Okay, so you're so you're completely writing off the Pacific Division. Yeah, I just
2: don't love it because yeah. they're just so up and down all season long compared to Chicago and Minnesota who have just been doing it all year.
0: Yeah, and, and I think too, I mean it would surprise believe, you know, it would surprise anyone, Joe, if the Pacific division and an Atlantic team met in the Stanley Cup finals. That would be stunning. Stunning. <laughs> but I just
2: don't believe I just don't believe in the in the players that got down there. I don't believe it's Martin Jones or the goalies. I they just you know, and Edmonton, yeah, they they are in, the, they're in, thanks to Connor McDavid and his awesomeness. But I just don't see. I mean, there's no way that a young team like that. And if they do, then prove me wrong. But I just don't think that a young team like that can beat up on a defensively minded Wild team or just the Blackhawks.
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be a fascinating race. I think the Wild. And I do want to bring up that. Do you think so? So going back to the Wild, do you think they beat the Blues or the Predators, whoever they face? You like the Wild in that series? Yeah, I think it's about time they win a the series. Okay. Well, it's looking like the and Blues. Eric yeah. Eric Stahl in the offseason really helped them out for sure. <laughs> Made the Rangers look dumb. Two years ago, the Blues lost to the Wild as favorites. I do like that matchup, Wild versus Blues. The Blues are playing better under Mike Yo, but I don't think they have the horses. They've done a good job getting to this point, but I think their offense runs through Tarasenko, and Nashville has been underachieving all season. I I picked them to be in the finals preseason, and I've just been disappointed all the way that they're a wild-card team now. I expected much better things.
2: Well, you I, fell for that P.K. Subban trade hype. I did. You come in and be... Well, as good of an offensive defenseman as you think he could be, or as
0: good of a defensive defenseman as you
2: think he could be, and he just didn't work out. I did, and but it's also. Like, it
0: really underperformed this year. Yeah, it, dude, it's more than that because you got Ryan Johansson, you got Philip Forsberg. There's a lot of offense on this Predators team. Peter Laviolette's a good coach. I don't know, I expected more, and I just didn't get it from this team. But hey, it's the playoffs. A they can make the, a run. A
2: lot of the players, a lot of the players that are on that team underperformed,
0: including Peckover. He just does not look like the same goalie that he was a couple years ago. No, he doesn't. And I want to see what they can do come playoff time. I know they have a good home ice advantage, and they've played a lot of these teams tough. The Central is going to be a bloodbath. We'll see who gets what wild card and who the Blackhawks play first round. That's huge. I mean, right now, Nashville, Joe, is one point back of Calgary with three games left. If Nashville finishes worse, they're gonna get the Blackhawks round one. Not liking the, their chances to, to run through the gauntlet starting with Chicago. Absolutely not. I don't
2: think that game goes more than that
0: series goes more than five games. So Joe Crisali, Money Mitch effect. We're gonna wrap this up with the Pacific Division, and you mentioned how you're not trusting any of those teams. I would probably agree with you, but the race itself is very interesting, just seven points separating the four teams with three to four games left for each of them. The Ducks at 99, the Oilers at 97. Oilers have a game in hand on the Ducks. And the Sharks, surprisingly, maybe be underwhelmingly at 95 with Calgary in the wild card at 92. I would probably still trust San Jose in this division. And I say that because with the Ducks... You never know what you're going to get in the playoffs. If the off playoffs, if the offense is going to go away, Edmonton's a young team, and Calgary's a great story. They've been, you know, they've stumbled a little bit lately, but the push they made to get here has been great. I think I still trust San Jose to come out of this Pacific Division. Uh, I guess it would be like a, a Ferris wheel at this point. Ah, uh, that's
2: tough. I, I think I have to disagree with that one. Like you said, the Ducks, you don't know what you're going to get in the playoffs, but I think that. They're just that team, you know, that Mm -hmm. they're just the team that just they just win. You look at their lineup, you look at their roster, you look at what they've been able to do, and you're like, eh, but you know, they just win. They just win games right now. They're in first in that division, I believe, Mm -hmm. and they're getting John Gibson back. Remember, he missed a long period of time due to an injury. He's back, and who was the dude
0: backing him up? Bernier. Bernier, Yeah, Bernier Bernier. now. They traded Anderson to Toronto.
2: he had a great <laughs> stretch run where I stupidly had Gibson on my fantasy team and I had Bernier and I dropped him for a backup D-man. And the guy that I'm playing in the finals now has Bernier, so I look
0: like, I'm on Well, anyway. those things are going to happen. You make some good points. The Ducks 7-0-3 in their last 10. But do we have to go through their track record in game 6s and 7s in the last four playoffs? No,
2: pro- <laughs> yeah, probably
0: not. Okay, just just Call throwing that out there. Job. And if they play Call Cap. The C- <laughs> yeah, if they play Calgary first round, if they hold on to this division, I think that would be a very interesting series. I think yeah, Calgary. I would, I would take the
2: best in that series, though. I don't have a lot yeah. of faith in Calgary. I watched them play a game against the lowly Kings the other day, and I wasn't feeling too good about that. No, well
0: then you got Jer- we had Jerome Againla just beating people up and scoring goals. Gordie Howe hat trick <laughs> went for yeah, the road.
2: Jersey was covered
0: in blood. <laughs> I love it. If there's one playoff series that I wanna see, I don't know if it'll happen, Joe, but I love Calgary Edmonton, the battle for Alberta. Two teams in the same oh, Canadian man, province. That would be so sweet. <laughs> That's on my short list with obviously Toronto, Montreal. I mean we gotta figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, and maybe maybe, you know, Ottawa makes a run Wait, at the, the division.
2: Classic games. That'll be a sweet classic <laughs> series right there.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a bloodbath. Imagine Speaking those clutters
2: they put out for those games? Yeah. I would probably buy
0: them. He's I know. Well, you got to also think about what it's going to be like outside the stadium at Maple Leafs Gardens, if that happens, or in the streets in Calgary or Edmonton. Well, we're excited for that, Joe Crisali. Before I let you go, last thing. Right now, who is your MVP pick? Oof. Wow. And I would say, top- I would say just as a spoiler, my third finalist, because we know who the top two are, I think i go Brad Marchand as the third finalist. Really? I think he's the guy. I thought Burns for a little bit. You know, he's going to win the Norris, but I think he's cooled a, a hair. I like Marchand to finish third. And my pick to win the MVP is going to be Sidney Crosby. Slightly hedging out Connor McDavid. It's close, but I think the well, tie goes to I, I Crosby. Would, I would lean to
2: McDavid because if you, you think about the Oilers, and you think about where they've been the last ten years, five years even. They've been no been the team that makes it in the playoffs ever. They've always been at the bottom and this kid comes in two years later, two years he's in the league, got leading the league in points, got ninety four points, and they're in the playoffs. And they could be they could they might get the first first place in the division. So
0: Yeah
2: I gotta go with him. Because if you think about it, yeah, he's got a supporting cast around him but Without him in there, they're nothing. I mean, you could take Crosby's been out before, and they got Malkin in there, they got other players in there, that could
0: make things happen for them. I think McDavid, for me, is the MVP this year. Right, no, I, I, it's it's a fair argument. I, I think it could go either way, and there's a couple games left. If, if they somehow win the division, that could swing a lot of votes, too. I think Crosby, his two-way game, how he still plays kind of like a grinder and plays defense, I wish he'd stop... You know, slashing guys in the nuts a little bit. But other than than that, you know, you pretty much like a lot of what he does. And I think if you took Crosby off the Penguins, while they'd be better than the Oilers without McDavid, they would have faltered a lot in that division race. They would be in that wild card spot, not the Rangers and the Metropolitan, and who knows how the season goes from there. So it's tough, but it's a conversation we're going to have for a few years before McDavid fully takes the mantle of the best player in the league because you know it's coming.
2: Yeah, this is the baton, this is the baton pass season. I think it's time we i have had enough of cars being these fan.
0: Give it to me example. I think we all have. I think we all have. Oh, one—one one for the road too. I forgot to ask you: is your rookie of the year Matthews or Laine? Oh,
2: <laughs>
0: another tough one.
2: Man. there's so many options. You're thinking about. Look at that—the rookies on that Maple Leafs team. You got Matthews. You got William Nylander. Mm. You got Mitchell Marner. Marner, mm. Toronto, rookie record in assists. Nylander had a great season. Matthews, most goals. And then you got Line. A. How many goals do you have this year? A million? He's
0: but in the, season, it's, like, no it's I think it's about Honestly, 35.
2: I'm going to go back. I mean, this guy's not going to win. But the guy that I appreciate the most, aside from Matthews and Line a, I like the dude I was talking about earlier. Who's that? Is like, Zach Wierenski. Yeah? He's
0: hey. In. It's a shame he's not going to be a finalist though given how strong it is. This is the second year in a row we've had a loaded rookie class and I think that's a good sign for the game, you know, as long as you know the powers that be don't do anything like this Olympics yeah, crap. I mean, <laughs> but, I
2: mean you got to you got to give it
0: to Matthews, but I like yeah. the other guy. I, the I would go Matthews. I think Linea is going to have an argument for the best rookie season that didn't result in rookie of the year ever because it's pretty close. But I, yeah. I would go Matthews there. Well, Joe Sally, thanks for joining the show. We'll have to do this again during the playoffs. And I think one thing, you know, we had some disagreements today, but one thing we can agree on and all hockey fans can agree on, best playoffs in any sport, Stanley Cup playoffs. Absolutely.
2: Two
0: months long. <laughs> Two months, just vicious, relentless, a lot of goals, a lot of blood, a lot of stitches, all heart. We can't wait. This is going to be one of the good ones. I have a feeling. I'm, I'm getting excited for it. Yeah, man, me too. Go Rangers. All right, man. I will talk to you later. Joker Sally, Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again. See you,
2: man.
0: Thanks again to both guests, Matt Wittenberg, Joker Sally, on the Money Mitch Effect. A reminder that you can find every episode on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found, really. Just search Money Mitch Effect. It pops right off all 71 now total episodes in the series. And you can follow me at MoneyMitchM21, where all episodes of shares, sports takes are had, all that fun stuff as well. One more episode this week. It's a surprise interview. I hope you guys are going to like that. And then we'll have the regular content as follows in the weeks to come. This was very fun. This was a real experience. I appreciate everyone out there for listening. Mitch Michael signing off. Thank you again for listening to The Money Mitch Effect. And I'll see you next time.